Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Today, defeating Dortmund as goals continue to elude the Blues. Handily, the Premier League's bottom sider in town on Saturday will preview Southampton's visit and do a quiz, available for free, wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight out of Cobham. And it is our second show of the week and we have a midweek match to react to for the first time in a long time. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by Sam Parkin. Hello, Matt. And Jesse Parker-Humphries is with us too. Hi, Jesse. Hello. All right, we're going to get straight to Dortmund. Offside flag has now gone up, but the referee's going to play the advantage because Adeyemi's 1v1 with Enzo Fernandez, and he's full of speed and he's gone around the goalkeeper and he's scored! You always need a bit of luck, but at the same time, we, you, as I've said, you can't um, wait around for luck to, to come your way. You've got to keep working, which is what the team are doing. The boys have been fantastic in terms of their work, but at the moment we're, um, we're suffering in terms of results, but performance was a big step forward for us tonight. So, Chelsea have a one-goal deficit to recover at Stamford Bridge in three weeks' time after Karim Adeyemi's sensational solo goal in the second half gave Dortmund the advantage. Liam Toomey was at Signal Iduna Park for The Athletic. Let's hear his full-time thoughts. I had to shoot a quick glance over my shoulder before starting to record this podcast at the final whistle because when Karim Adeyemi scored the winner here, there were a volley of beers that came from the top tier of the stand where the press box is one of which landed right next to me and came very close to soaking me and destroying my laptop. On the pitch, there were more near misses for Chelsea, ultimately very damaging ones. This game was so there for them throughout. 19 attempts, so many good chances, two great ones for João Felix in the first half. One where he hit the crossbar from, I think, the other one was probably even better that he blazed over. Second half, waves of Chelsea pressure. I thought they largely controlled Dortmund's threat a lot better after the interval. But one broken play, one clearance from a corner. Kareem Adeyemi isolated 1v1 against Enzo Fernandez. It's no contest in an open foot race. Maybe you could say Kepa could have been faster off his line. I think there are probably think, many things that Chelsea will look at and think, could we have done them differently in that sequence of play? But it was basically the one clinical moment in a, in a wasteful game. You know, Dortmund seemed quite similar to Chelsea in, in some ways, except I think they did better in the moments of chaos. Chelsea seemed to make their worst decisions in the moments of chaos. And, and even when they did make good decisions, 
and they got the ball into good shooting areas. They either shot straight at Koble, um, who had also had a good night, to be fair. He made a couple of very good saves to his left. Um, Dortmund fans in front of me are currently chanting Arsenal at the travelling Chelsea fans, which is interesting given that Manchester City beat them tonight. Um, there's been definite needle here all evening. I think you can tell that Dortmund are a club that define themselves pretty much in opposition to everything Chelsea represent. The yellow wall to my left is going mad. And the Dortmund players bouncing on the pitch in front of them. It's a very happy night for them. They battled for this. The tie is very much still alive. And I think Chelsea will look at this. They've got three weeks until the second leg. The signings assimilate a little bit more. They get more players back from injury. Maybe even N'Golo Kante. We'll see. Um, and they'll certainly hope to be a very different, much better team. But whoever takes the field for them at Stamford Bridge, they need to find a way to take these chances that they're creating. If they can, then this tie is very easy for them to, to turn around. If not, then their season is over. All right. Well, Sam, as Liam says there, if, if Chelsea don't turn this round, then their season is effectively over. Based on what you saw last night, have you got any confidence that they can do that? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Although we, we seem to be talking about the same game over and over, probably this season and last, and maybe the season before that. But I thought the performance over a 90-minute period, games are 90 minutes, it, it was much better last night. See, the West Ham performance for half an hour, very good. I thought last night, over the entirety of the game, it was a it was an excellent performance. Lacking goals, clearly lacking lacking that finishing touch. And yeah, Jao Felix is, well, he's dreamy, isn't he? His touch, his awareness. I thought, again, he was outstanding, but just can't, cannot finish at the moment, other than the one he took at, at West Ham. So he's had a number of opportunities. It doesn't look like a a natural finisher and that's probably why he hasn't hit the real heights that his talent deserves but yeah I thought again he was Chelsea's best player uh, but I thought in the first half it was a, a good defensive display with those counter-attacking opportunities in the second half Dortmund changed a little bit like West Ham did closed up those gaps were a bit more compact but Chelsea still made chances I think a lot of that was probably down to James coming into it Ben Chilwell, I felt, was good in the second half. There's more attacking threats now, but still the same problems continue. But yeah, it's uh, it's in the balance. And if they can be sharper in front of goal, then they will go through because I thought they showed last night that they can compete and they can be the better side against a Dortmund side who I enjoyed watching actually in the first half. I thought they're sharp, incisive football around the box. They're very attacking. I thought it's very easy on the eye and they got some good players, but... Definitely beatable. Here's Opta Analyst tweeting that Chelsea had 21 shots without a goal there, most without scoring in a Champions League knockout stage game since the 2010-11 quarterfinal first leg against Man United. Uh, Jesse, Chelsea Twitter seemed to be divided into two camps uh, on the evening of the game, aka Wednesday. Either this is not Graham Potter's fault, he can't put the chances in, or why did Graham Potter leave out a striker from the Champions League squad? And which camp do you fall in? I think I fall into the first camp because I do kind of feel like, yeah, the job of a manager is to to coach the team so that the chances open up for them. And I think we saw that yesterday and I think we've seen that 
gradually change as well. I think that's something that you can look back over the past kind of four or five games and say Chelsea are moving in a different direction there from from maybe some of the, the games right at the start of January. But at the same time, it's tricky, right? Because it's very easy to say, oh, you know, Chelsea didn't bring a recognised goal scorer, blah, blah, blah. But when you look at the options, the kind of positions that players were getting in, I don't really feel that Aubameyang is necessarily the kind of player who'd have you could have just swapped in and out, right? If you're looking at like the Jao Felix chances, I don't think Aubameyang's taking up those kind of spaces to simply put them in, in the net. I guess, you know, the thing that maybe was the most frustrating is that in that kind of last 10, 15 minute period where Chelsea were basically just looking to cross the ball into the box with Dortmund kind of camped in their penalty area, that's maybe the moment where you're like, okay... We want a, like an actual number nine who's just gonna head the head the ball in. But you know, equally, like Kai Havertz has shown that he can be very good in the air. I don't. I think actually that's one of his like better skills. I don't think that Aubameyang or David Fafana like are an immediate, you know, bomb for the the goal scoring issues. Um, because I think if they were, they would be in the squad. I, I just think it's. It, I feel like people. What people want is a mythical goal scorer who would score these chances. And they're not at Cobham, nor were they in Dortmund. Yeah, it's worth remembering Aubameyang hasn't scored in any of his last 12 appearances for Chelsea. So he didn't make it. Sam, what did you think of the team? 4-2-3-1 again. Koulibaly in for Badia Shiel, Chilwell for Kukurea, Ziyech for Madueke, the changes from West Ham. Chelsea look a totally different team when they've got James and Chilwell, right? They do, yeah. And I felt for for half an hour, um, Chelsea's right-hand side wasn't particularly productive probably because of Dortmund's setup. I thought the the two eights, um, Bellingham and, and Oscam were really bright and, and forthright and really attacking. So it it pinned Chelsea back in the first half. But yeah, I think Jesse hit the nail on the head there, you know, to, towards the end of the game, Chilwell and, and Reese James had a lot of joy and it's just not having that impact opportunity from the bench from a striker, which I think could come back to bite Chelsea. When you look at the squad, there's probably a few defenders, a few midfielders, who aren't likely to get any minutes in the Champions League. It would have been nice to have the option of Fofana last night. I know he's a bit of an unknown quantity, but just for 10, 15 minutes uh, to change the dynamic a little bit is surprising that he's not he's not available. But there was a couple of problem areas last night for Chelsea. I was worried about Koulibaly. I thought he defended brilliantly in the first half. Uh, there was the one moment when Haller got away from him when he just lost his bearings a little bit defensively. But I thought in the main, he was excellent. And we shouldn't be worried about Loftus-Cheek, but in the game with this magnitude, with his his injury problems, um, some high-profile midfield players on both sides, he was maybe the best out there last night, which is huge credit to him. I thought he was excellent. It was probably Fernandez's quietest game. So, yeah, really good performances from those two guys coming in. Ziyech as well, I thought some good moments. He was probably, probably better than Mudrik, who, yeah, he's just not... He looks a bit tentative at the moment. He doesn't look quite up to the level. And I know he's done it in the Champions League. I don't mean he's not at the level of uh, of Chelsea, but he doesn't have that sharpness, that speed of thought that Jao Felix has, has shown in abundance. So we're still waiting for him. But yeah, some players that have been on the fringes, I thought, top marks last night. Uh, it's interesting. That's a, a very delicate way of um, putting Mudrick's performance. Producer Lucy has put in the um, Google Doc, Mudrick, poo emoji. Uh, she also <laughs> says... Kukurea, hapless as ever when he came on. Pretty ofs, all his teammates are like WTF. Was that what you were thinking, Jesse? 
Um, I I couldn't put it as articulately as, as Lucy has, um, so I don't know how to really improve on that. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought Mudrick struggled, and and I thought it was poor, and I felt like when Mount came on, it just offered Chelsea a little bit of extra impetus and a bit of extra push, and I think that was especially where you saw almost how much Mudrick was lacking. There was, you know, a couple of nice technical moments and nice passes into the box. I think he struggled to kind of... It was weird because, you know, especially in that first half, there was so much space to run into, but it felt like he wasn't really able to make the most out of running into it, which I didn't, I couldn't really understand. And then I think as the game went on, you could see him, he got to the point where he was trying too hard. He was trying to do things that kind of looked better when there were easier options there. And look, like, he's a player who's made a massive move, um, both financially, personally. It's obviously something that he's wanted for a really long time. There's going to be pressure on him, both from himself and from externally. And I think maybe you could you could see that a bit last night. And it, it's tough as well in the context, I think, of the fact that, you know, Potter could only pick, like, these three players. So not only is it, like, you've been brought in and you cost loads of money, but then it's also, like, you have been picked to go into the squad ahead of someone like Badia Shiel or, or even Madueke. So I think that's something that, you know, it, it's a tough one to figure out and, and maybe maybe that pressure of like starting, starting to starting, maybe there needs to be something there about like coming on and getting minutes in a different way. Um, Kukurea, I, I didn't think was as bad <laughs> as Lucy thought. Um, I thought it was a tough way round for him to, to come on. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be like the super attacking fullback in the way Ben Chilwell is but obviously like the demands of the game meant that he was right around the edge of the box and trying to put crosses in and stuff like that and I just I don't know if that's exactly where his skill is um I don't know where it lies in that sense so I feel like if Chilwell's starting then Kukure is coming on and you're going for a goal it doesn't yeah it's not quite the right way around for me I do feel a bit sorry for the guy I, I I feel like he's got a bit of, you know, the David Louises about him. E.g. because he's got silly hair, we think everything he does is silly. And I just feel like if he had a different haircut, we probably wouldn't feel that way. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Sam, what's happened to Trevor Chalobah? Because obviously Koulibaly came in here having not been in the squad at the weekend. Chalobah played every game before the World Cup and now he can't get a kick. Have you got a theory as to why that might be? Um... It's difficult to remember chronologically, sorry, on, on the spot, but the Fulham game away from home probably didn't do him too many favours. I mean, that was, you know, as as poor as he'd been in the in the in the first team. Um, I don't know if he's played subsequently than that from the off, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, that was a, a disappointing performance. Koulibaly having, you know, missed out at West Ham was probably always earmarked for this game if Fafana wasn't ready. And I probably would favour Koulibaly in a two. I think Trev does does well on the, the right-hand side of a back three. He'll come again. You know, he wouldn't have been in that Champions League squad, you know, for the, the reasons I've already stated today. You know, I was, I was surprised when I was looking down the list last week and seemed quite well stopped in midfield. You know, I'm thinking, is he realistically going to get a start in the Champions League if, if Chelsea go to the latter stages? So he's got the nod ahead of some more experienced, more high-profile players. He'll come again, no doubt, but yeah, maybe just his his recent form has meant that he's he's dropped down the pecking order. 
Uh, Jesse, on BT Sport, Lucy Ward on commentary said, it must be so frustrating being a Chelsea fan. Can you confirm this? Uh, yeah, that really made me laugh when she said that. I was, like, I was like, oh, thanks, Lucy. Yeah, like we've just watched it all. Um, yeah, it is, it is frustrating. And I think ugh, what's annoying about this game is, one, there was a real like hope that kills you sense to it because we did play well. And, you know, it, it felt like it had been a long time since... I was watching Chelsea be a goal down in like the last 10 minutes of the match and actually believing that we would score because like we were putting pressure on and I did feel like if something went went our way we could get the equaliser. But equally I I think you know there there was so much pressure on this match because of what it's come to represent for our season and again it, it in some ways like there's one reason why that was the case but also the fact that that's the case meant that it was always going to be a lot to put that much on it. I think to be in a position whereby this tie definitely still feels winnable at Stamford Bridge, I think is a, is a good one to be in and, and was basically the minimum that could be expected, right? Because Dortmund are a really good run of form, but I don't think they're this, you know, fantastic team. So I think in some ways, you know, it's take the positives and, and really, really hope they can turn it around in three weeks. Because if they do, we won't be sat here being like, oh, but we lost one nil in the away leg. Uh, well, Mason Mount won't be available for the home leg. His yellow card means that he's suspended. But as Liam said in his voice note, Sam, and in his post-match piece up on The Athletic now, there's a chance that N'Golo Kante might be back for that game. Uh, and if Chelsea can get some players, not just back from, from injury between now and then, but you know the likes of Mudrick finding a little bit of form, the three games between now and the second leg, a home to Southampton, away to Spurs and home to Leeds, that will surely put them in a better position to, to get the minimum two goals they're going to need in the, in the return. Yeah, definitely. The other side of it, I think Dortmund had a few issues last night as well. There was a few touch and go that didn't make it. So the break will probably suit both teams. Um, yeah, and, and it'd be great to have Fofana back as well. Kante, although he might struggle to get in front of Loftus-Cheek after everything I've said about him this, this morning. But yeah, to get a little bit of cohesion in the front areas, to get some confidence in, in front of goal um, w- w- would be obviously ideal before then. Whether it's going to happen or not, I don't know. I mean, this weekend would be, you know, on paper, a perfect opportunity maybe to to, to roll the dice for Farner for, for one. You know, coming into this game, you never know. He could end up with a brace and go on and, and be a big part of the Premier League remaining game. So, um, obviously, he can't have an impact in the Champions League. But, yeah, I think it's, we, we've seen, we've seen progress last night. Uh, we've seen progress pretty much in every department apart from the most important area uh, putting the ball in the in the net so hopefully that can come in the league games and they get the one or the two that they need to to progress in the in the second leg well speaking of the premier league chelsea are back in action in it on saturday when they welcome southampton to stamford bridge we'll look ahead to that next looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. Well, this is just what you want, isn't it, Jesse? The worst team in the league coming to visit when you can't buy a goal. Um, Southampton without a manager coming into this match. Surely, surely this is the one where we see a convincing victory and the goals start to flow. I think I'd have preferred them still to have Nathan Jones than be without a manager. Oh, same. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and you know... Or indeed I, Jesse Marsh. Yeah, that, that would have been either, either. Although really Jesse Marsh and Chelsea haven't been great this season, so maybe not. Um, yeah, I, definitely we've we've used games against Southampton in the past, haven't we, to kind of bang the goals in. They, they've been a team that we've enjoyed playing against, although obviously not earlier in the season. Uh, I definitely think, you know, a home game and... Hopefully some more positive feeling just around the team, like even individually about the performances from from last night. I feel like it was a game where you'd think players could go away and be like, look, this this is this is starting to click. I think, you know, watching Jao Felix and Kai Havertz play together is, is a real positive. Um, you know, players are still figuring out their relationships, but seeing Rhys James, Ben Chilwell get more minutes, um, it definitely feels like a really good opportunity to to get a bit more confidence in the game. Equally, though, it, it, when Chelsea have been in this form, you're like, well, it becomes a massive banana skin because it's a game everyone expects you to win again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I think, how much Potter looks to change. Obviously, there are all these players, right, who, who are in the squad and aren't playing in the Champions League. So you, in some ways, you're like, well, there's pressure to bring them back in. But equally, if you've got the second leg in three weeks, you just like, we want to drill this squad, which is clearly the Champions League, you know, starting eleven, so that they're as prepped as possible in for that game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Sam. It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Potter's obviously made loads and loads of changes pretty much for every game. But is there a benefit to him having a settled side, or or are you thinking for a game like this? Well, if Wesley Fofana's fit enough to be on the bench away to Dortmund, he should probably be starting this. This would be an ideal game for him to do so. And then. You know, do you bring a Madaweke back or a David Datro for Fana, as you've mentioned? It's um, it's a difficult juggling act for him. It is. There's there's good gaps between the the fixtures, isn't there? I think you just have to box clever. I think he'll rotate for this one. I think he'll understand that the the Tottenham away game is a sterner test and the bigger one for the supporters. Go stronger there, and then Leeds maybe rotate a little bit. And you have to be wary of obviously Badia Shield, for example, not being. Uh, available in the Champions League, looking after Koulibaly physically, looking after Reese James and Ben Chilwell for two. Their minutes are going to have to be monitored, I would say, in the, in the next three Premier League games. So I would expect there to be changes for this one, you know, considering the opponent and considering what's on the horizon. But it's, you know, it's going to be up to to them to, yeah, to, to be across everything on the training ground, monitor the minutes, monitor the fitness. But yeah, I think this is an ideal opportunity to bring Madoeki in, to give Mason Mount um, a, a game, probably reunite maybe Silver and Badia Shield, maybe not Silver actually after after a tough game last night, but definitely bring Badia Shield back into proceedings. And yeah, it should be a game that they win even even with a, a heavy rotated 11. Jesse, are you as big a fan as Sam is of, of Ruben Loftus-Cheek at the moment, or are you putting a... Kovacic or uh, Zakaria in in place of him or maybe Enzo as well no I think I think Ruben's been fantastic I totally agree with Sam and I think it's really nice to see because he's a player who always feels like every time the moment's presented to him like something rubbish happens that kind of takes it away from him um, but I think he really he does suit that partnership with Enzo the only thing I do feel is you know having 
it feels like naturally when you look at those two together, Enzo becomes the the deeper player. And I think we saw last night why that's maybe not the best long term option uh, for for Chelsea. I think you know you want to see Enzo higher up the pitch and have someone kind of behind supporting him. I don't know if Ruben's that player, but then equally, I'm not entirely sure that Zakaria is. Um, I guess maybe Kovacic might be a bit more placed to to be able to judge proceedings and and maybe have a bit more of a you know relationship with Enzo so it's like you go I stay and vice versa um but no I, d- I don't think Ruben's done anything wrong I think he's performed very admirably in a in a position where lots of players have been kind of rotated through this season so um I think it all depends on how much and where Potter wants to change because I think if you are going to switch up all your attackers might make sense to at least keep your midfield the same What's it like playing under a caretaker manager, Sam? That's what Southampton are going to be doing this weekend. Is it kind of supply teacher vibes or, or are you a bit more professional than that? Well, the former, I think. <laughs> I think it would well, have just gone from the most intensive manager in the universe, haven't they, to, to whatever's going on in the training ground this week. So, yeah, I mean, lower down the levels, it's you feel maybe the pressure's off a little bit when you haven't got someone who's um, who's got the full-time job. So that can be difficult in itself because they may play with a little bit less pressure. Um, I think he's had a bit of a raw deal. I know this isn't the platform, um, Nathan Jones, but I think the way he's been treated over the last fortnight is a little bit disrespectful. The guy's not an idiot. He's an, he's an excellent coach, he's got something, he's done wonders, obviously, at his previous job. So I think there's been a bit of snobbery attached to it. Um, I think when it gathers momentum from the supporters, yes, but also in the media. I've read some stuff this week that I think's a little bit harsh on him. I hope he comes back and, and does well in the future because, yeah, he's, he's he's clearly got something. But they're they're a mess, Southampton. And I thought I thought they were really poor in the in the previous game actually, and that they beat Chelsea. And Chelsea, again, squandered quite a few opportunities early part of the game when Sterling put them in front. But I thought Southampton were a really poor side. And I thought that was um, pretty damning, that Chelsea lost on that night. Um, I remember it was a terrible pitch as well, which which didn't help. But, you know, this is a side that I think are destined to, to drop out of the top tier. So, um, yeah, relevant of how they're feeling the pressure or feeling a little bit freer with what's going on at their club, I think. You know, it's a it's a group that are arriving really lacking in confidence and should be put to the sword, famous last words. <laughs> yeah, they've won one of their last 11 games, Southampton. They have won three times on the road this season at Leicester, Bournemouth and Everton. Whatever happens, we'll handle the fallout in Monday's show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. 
Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, no game for the women's team this weekend as it's international break. Jesse, you must be psyched for Millie Bright Thursday tonight as we record, about to start the defence of her Golden Boot trophy from last year's Arnold Clark Cup. Absolutely. I've got so much respect for the FA. I mean, Alexia Pateas isn't fit anyway, but to make sure Spain aren't in the competition so she can't, you know, come anywhere near that that trophy. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll see her up front for, for the duration of the competition. <laughs> uh, in terms of the academy sides this weekend, men's under-21s go to Liverpool in PL2 on Sunday. The under-18s host Arsenal. That's Jack Wilshire's Arsenal on Saturday. All right, next today, we're going to do a quiz. Okay, there's been a bit of controversy around this because I said that Jesse had won three in a row, but there's been some debate about that. Somebody contacted me on Twitter and Sam, you sent me a very angry message as well. Was that was that wrong? <laughs> I thought you were going to say I contacted you on Twitter. <laughs> that was a very very formal way uh, to to uh, show my upset. Yeah. No, I think I just echoed what that chap said, didn't I? Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Anyway, Jesse, you are the. Yeah, I won basically the last time me and Jesse. Squared that is off. true. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. In a, in, a, in a thrilling one nil, I think it was. <laughs> All right, a well, gritty one, a grubby <laughs> one nil. It sounds like Chelsea versus Southampton on Saturday. Um, we shall see. <laughs> right, Jesse, you're going first. It's it's Chelsea versus Southampton as the theme. Uh, who scored Chelsea's goal in the defeat at St Mary's in August? Raheem Sterling. Correct. Uh, I already said that on today's pod, Matt. Oh, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see if you said this. Uh, Sam, here's your first. Yes, you can have it. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's not my fault, is it? You you got the assist. Fine. Uh, According to Transfermarkt, who was the most recent player to sign for Chelsea from Southampton? It was all the way back in 2003. 20 years ago. Not the not the, not the the plethora of young lads that they've signed in recent times. No, no, we're, we're talking proper first teamers here. All right, give me it again. 2003. Yeah. From Southampton to Chelsea. Correct. Um. So, yeah, not Jimmy J. Morgan, which is who you were thinking of, which I'm still not convinced isn't a made-up name, but... Apparently Zach Sturge, I was going to go for. No, um, <laughs> the only person I've got is Wayne Bridge. And that is the only one you need because it's correct. Very good. <laughs> Bit of pressure on you now, Jesse. What did Timo Werner achieve for the first time in his Chelsea career during the thrill draw against Southampton at the bridge in October 2020? That's another tapping. Doesn't look like it. He scored a hat trick. Sam, do you want to steal it? I would say scored a brace. Correct. It wasn't have a goal ruled out for offside. He'd already had several by that point. Scored a brace, he did. Right, that puts you in a good position, Sam. Uh, who scored the decisive penalty when Chelsea beat the Saints after a shootout at Stamford Bridge in the Carabao Cup last season? I think that Reese James scored the winning penalty on a few occasions, so I'll go for Reese James. 
He did, yeah. Was it Villa as well, the other one? But yeah, anyway, definitely against Southampton. Uh, okay, so that is, oh dear, it's 3-1. So Jesse, you're going to have to get this and then get Sam's final one if he doesn't to take us to a tie break. Okay, question number three. Which two former Chelsea players are members of Southampton's Premier League squad this season? Tino Livramento. Yep. Is Willy Caballero there? He is, yeah. Well done. 65-year-old Willy Caballero still in the squad. Okay, so <laughs> Sam, you can either knock this in for a convincing win or <laughs> or Lucy's written a very amusing tie-break question, which I hope we get to. Uh, here you go then, Sam. Which former Saint scored at both ends, including the opener after 12 seconds, as Chelsea beat Southampton 2-1 at Stamford Bridge in August 2004? Which former Saints scored at both ends, including the opener after 12 seconds, as Chelsea beat Southampton 2-1 at Stamford Bridge in August 2004? Sorry, mate. Can I have it once more? Which former Saint scored at both ends, including the opener after 12 seconds, as Chelsea beat Southampton 2-1 at Stamford Bridge in August 2004? Um... No. Graham Lasso? Is incorrect, I'm afraid. Jesse is to take us to a tie break. Matt Letizio? Good effort though, right? Mm, well, uh, not really. It was James Beatty, so you get the win, Sam. Um, I mean, I'll be totally honest. I thought that Simon was on the show today, so I thought that he was more likely to get that. So it was his question, you see. Um, but anyway, it was James Beatty. So uh, this is uh, your victory, Sam. You, you've knocked Jesse off their perch. Well done. <sighs> Thank you very much. My, um, bogey player. It's yeah, a, looks like, and it's a nice, it's a very, it's a very nice warm up for the return of Firefield, which is imminent, <laughs> I believe. So cannot wait for it. Uh, here's Dom the tie break right I don't think Dom would get this so producer Lucy is in Somerset today uh, enjoying the high life for a month's birthday her tie break was what is the population of Somerset <laughs> would anybody <laughs> like to hazard a guess at that <laughs> Lucy knows that populations aren't my strong point when I said that the borough of Hammersmith and Fulham on a recent quiz was in the millions <laughs> <laughs> Somerset, um, would you like to have a stab at it? Somerset, it's a sparsely populated, vast area. What are we thinking? Uh, oh, I don't want to go too big. I reckon 450,000. Jesse? I'd go 750,000. Well, Sam, you get the imaginary point there. It's 560,631. So some much needed confidence for your population guessing game. Um, if nothing <laughs> else, uh, that's just about going to do us for this uh, very strange episode of Straight Out of Cobham. Jesse, what are you up to this weekend? Oh, just uh, Arnold Clark copping. Um, so, yeah, be enjoying, be enjoying that in the international break. They've had an absolute touch, haven't they, Arnold Clark? I mean, like everybody just talks, oh says gosh. Arnold Clark hundreds of times. Yeah, it's probably um, the best investment they've ever made. Yeah, yeah. Guys, if you want to sponsor the podcast, please do get in touch. Um, Sam, where will you be this weekend? 
another opportunity for me to plug Cardiff v Reading tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> Simon pointed out after the podcast that Cassaday uh, will be my obviously my subject matter, but I don't think he's got off the bench yet. Although I didn't check the midweek as of yet, so um, keep an eye on him. And then um, football league showing on on Saturday as well. Lovely. Loads of good stuff on The Athletic for you to check out now. You can read Liam's post-match piece on the game yesterday. There's a FPL scouting report on Joel Felix and loads of other good stuff there too. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. We'll be back on Monday when we'll be talking through Chelsea for Southampton nil and more. Join us for that if you can. For now though, it's goodbye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.